0: Thank you, Azure, for your ministry of music. This time, would you please turn with me to our scripture reading for this morning, which can be found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 through 26. Again, that's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 through 26, and if you don't have a copy of the scriptures with you, there's some located under the pew, the page number for this passage is 1,268. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 through 26. It reads, But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they... You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his Word.
1: Good morning again. I'm not hurt except for my pride. Okay, so uh, I do think my sugar's a little low, so I've asked Pastor Dave to get me some something out of the uh, kitchen, and he's going to bring me something that I can uh, get my sugar up. But uh, this morning, we are actually continuing where we left off last week in 2 Timothy. Last week, we saw that to work hard uh, at knowing what the word of God says. 2 Timothy 2.15 Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now in order to do that, we need to know what the truth of God is. We need to know what God's word says, but it also includes the idea of knowing how to handle the word of God, that is, how to use it, how to present the word of God. And this morning we are going to look specifically at how is the child of God to respond to false teaching and uh, those that uh, teach falsely. How are we to respond to the Hymenaeuses and the Philetuses of the world? Turn with me to 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 18. There it reads, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. So it's in that context we're going to be talking about responding uh, with the truth of God. It is important to realize that God knows those that belong to him. Verse 19 states, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those that are His. The Lord knows those that are His. God knows those who belong to Him. God knows those that are saved. The implication is, but we don't. We don't. We can't really discern a person's heart. But we do know that everyone who names the name of the Lord is to depart from iniquity. They are to depart from iniquity. Therefore, the theme of this morning's message is, those who claim to belong to God should distance themselves from false teaching and the sinful practices that accompany it. So now we look at, well, how do we do that? Well, first... We should seek to distance ourselves from professed believers who corrupt the truth. We must realize that in Christendom in general, that is in the visible church, there are two types of people. There are those who in their service for God bring honor and glory to God. And then there are those that in their lack of service actually dishonor God and themselves. Notice 2 Timothy 2.20. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use some for dishonorable. The great house represents the visible church. In the visible church there are not only vessels that bring honor to God in the way in which they are used but there are also vessels that are dishonoring. In the context, the honorable vessels are those who rightly handle the word of truth. Notice verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. So the better you are at being this worker who does not need to be ashamed, the more honorable you are. And there are, of course, uh, different points on that spectrum. So that some are gold, some are silver. Some handle the word of God much better than others. But we should seek to handle the word of God well. Conversely, those that are dishonorable are those people that distort the truth of God's word. They are people that actually, even sometimes, oppose the word of God and so they are dishonorable. They are not approved of God, and they need to be ashamed. The believer should distance himself or herself of the influence of those who bring dishonor to God so that he or she can serve God more effectively. Notice verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable... He will be a vessel for honorable use. For example, Hymenaeus and Philetus, along with their false teaching. For it tells us in verse 16, but avoid irreverent babble. For it will lead people even to more ungodliness. You see, it's not helpful. It doesn't lead to righteousness. It leads to unrighteousness and unholiness. Verse 17, their talk will spread like gangrene. Again, a negative effect. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have corrupted the truth, verse 18, who have swerved from the truth. The way they have corrupted it, verse 18, is that they deny or say that the resurrection has already happened. They are being hurtful to the believer. End of verse 18. They are upsetting the faith of some. Some are being negatively influenced because of this false teaching. However, if a believer does distance themselves from those who dishonor God by not adhering to the truth, it will result in three positive effects. First, he or she will be uniquely dedicated to fulfill God's purposes. Notice it says in verse 21. The word's set apart as holy. So these people will be consecrated, dedicated dedicated to God's purpose. He or she will be uniquely valuable to the Lord's work. Again, verse 21, useful to the master's house. And he or she will be uniquely equipped and prepared to serve the Lord. End of verse 21, ready for every good work. Positively, we should seek to live righteously by associating ourselves with those who submit, submit to God's truth. Notice verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those that call on the Lord of a pure heart. It's been my experience that the way that I have heard 2 Timothy 2.21 used most often is in reference to sexual sins. Flee youthful passions, meaning youthful lusts, sexual sins, with those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. While sexual sins may be included here, uh, actually the emphasis is slightly different than that. For notice the antithesis. (coughs) In verse 22. (coughs) The antithesis to the youthful passions are faith, love, and peace. We should be people of faith, love, and peace. Now you know I've been encouraging you that as we work our way through 2 Timothy that we always try to keep things in context, see how the teaching here relates to other portions of 2 Timothy. And I've said there's a bigger context, which are all the Pauline epistles, and... uh, 1 Timothy sheds a lot of light on this particular verse. If you would keep your finger here and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. The context of our passage has told us to avoid vain babblings. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 it says this. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. That's actually the thought of 2 Timothy 2.15, the King James study, work hard, train, spadazzo. 1 Timothy 4, eight. For while bodily training is some value, godliness is a value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of a full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Now notice these words. Verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth. Don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. Don't be associated with youthfulness. These youthful passions that are described in our text, okay? But instead of being associated with the passions of youth, instead, verse 12 of 1 Timothy 4, it says, but set the believers an example, okay? So be an example. First, in speech. Literally, it's it's the word. It's in what you say, And how you say it. Be an example, first and foremost, in the way in which you speak. In love, in faith, in purity. Those words found in our text. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Therefore, we find that what a person is to do is not to associate with false teachers, but associate themselves with people who are sincerely seeking the truth of God and his word. Be careful that you don't acquire the sinful practices that are associated with being young. And I would submit to you in this text, it's talking primarily about those that love to argue and to debate theology, that love to quarrel over God's word. That is one of the characteristics of people who are young in their faith. Uh, It's very typical of a Bible college campus or uh, a seminary setting to see a bunch of guys sitting around a table arguing over certain uh, minuscule aspects of theology. Debate runs high. It often also runs hot. That's not how God's word is to be handled. Rather, Paul says to Timothy, be an example in your speech. Be an example in your word. Be an example in the way in which you handle the word. It's great to love theology. Uh, I certainly would promote that. It's, it's wonderful when people get excited about God's word and what it teaches. But it's not great to love debate. It's not great to try to demonstrate one's prowess or one's ability to, to show oneself to be uh, more knowledgeable or uh, more astute in these, these things. But the real emphasis here, and now I'm going to slow down, is how are we to interact with the Hymenaeuses and the Philetuses of the world? How are we to respond to false teachers and false teaching? What are we to do? Okay? Um, what is our responsibility First, it tells us what we are not to do, and then it tells us what we are to do. So what we are not to do. First, as believers, we are not to quarrel or fight over God's God's word. 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. That is actually the main thought of this particular pericope. For notice verse 14 of chapter 2. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words. Don't fight about words. Now verse 23. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies for they breed strife. They breed breed quarrels. That is not how the Bible is to be used. That does not lead to godliness, fighting over theology, which is faith, love, and peace. Instead, it leads to fighting. Secondly, therefore, we must steer clear of debates or controversies that, are, that arise From foolishness and ignorance. Notice how they're described in verse 23. Controversies. But they are foolish controversies. They are ignorant controversies. In the scriptures, a fool is not a moron. In the scriptures, a fool is a person who knowingly rejects the truth of God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They, they reject God and his truth. So there are people who just reject the word of God. They reject its authority. They seek to undermine the scriptures. Such people raise questions that are not very valuable, they're not very useful, they're not very helpful And the scripture teaches us that we're not to debate them. We're not to argue with them. For that will just lead to more quarrels and strife. These would be false teachers. People who are out to deceive. They would present themselves as believers but are not. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. They are deceivers. They are imposters. They are presenting themselves as believers, but in reality they're not. They're not believers at all. And their purpose is to disrupt, disrupt and destroy the faith of others. These are people who are attacking the scriptures, undermining their authority and their truthfulness. Then there's a second class of people, that is those that are described here as ignorant. The first were foolish, the second are ignorant. The ignorant are the uninstructed, the uninformed, those who do not know the truth. It isn't that they reject the truth, they just simply don't know it. They are uninformed, they're not well taught. So that Paul writes to the Thessalonians, for example, but I would not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep. For we believe that if Jesus died, even so will those also come with him. And then it goes on to describe what's going to happen when Jesus returns. We don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. We don't want you to be uninformed. We we want you to understand the truth about God's word. So there are people who, they're believers, but they don't know their Bibles well, and they raise questions, again, that aren't particularly valuable, that aren't particularly helpful. These people should not be debated. Avoid that kind of controversy. When we encounter someone who is not teaching the word accurately, we don't need to make a determination as to which group they fall into. We don't have to decide if a person that's teaching falsehood is actually an unbeliever or an ignorant believer. Sometimes that's a a hard distinction to make. We don't have to make that distinction. That's the point of saying in verse 19, the Lord knows those that are his. <coughs> the Lord knows the heart. The Lord knows what's motivating these people. Okay? So we don't have to make a determination what's motivating these questions. We don't have to decide if a person is, <coughs> is saved or not. For regardless, we're not to be arguing and debating with them. We're to be distancing ourselves from that. We're not to be fighters, agitators. Notice verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. That's not how we're to handle the word of God. It's not to be a debating tool for us. Well then, how are we to respond to those who are not handling God's word accurately? How do we deal with the Hymenaeuses and the philetuses of the world? How do we respond to false teaching? If we aren't to debate them, then what? Are we never to address false teaching? Yes, we are, but we're to be careful how we're to go about confronting false teachers and false teaching. And I make a distinction. Okay, you can be a false, you can teach falsely without being a false teacher. A false teacher is a person who's out to deceive. A a false teacher is 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 a person who presents themselves as a Christian but who is not. There can be well-intentioned individuals that still teach falsehoods. They don't teach the Bible accurately. They say things the Bible says that it doesn't say because they are ignorant of what the Bible really does say. They're not knowledgeable enough. Okay, so what they're teaching is still false, but they're not categorized as a false teacher. There's a, a distinction. Again, we don't have to figure out where they fall. Rather, we are to respond to them in the same way. So what are we to do? How are we to respond uh, positively? Four things in this text. First, be kind to the person regardless of who they are. Verse 24. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. But here's the first thing. but kind to everyone. The everyone includes the ignorant, and the foolish. The everyone includes all those that are opposing the truth for whatever reason. And it says that the way we're to handle them is we're to be kind, we're to be courteous, respectful, polite. It's the opposite of harsh or name-calling or putting people down. So many times in our society people can't have a civil discussion people that have opposing opinions simply enter into personal attacks they harangue they name call they make fun of they ridicule they mock okay there is no place for that as The word of God is presented. And it actually is is very apropos for, for today, for there are some young, famous preachers that are getting a name for themselves by being in people's faces and calling them out, as it were. By ridiculing them, by mocking them. The scripture says that's not how we're to handle the word of God. That's not the demeanor that we're to present. We're to be kind to everyone. Regardless of what's motivating them. Second, we are to be prepared and skillful in handling God's word. Notice the next phrase in verse 24 says, able to teach, able to teach. Skillful in handling God's word. Know what the word of God really says. Be able to explain it. Be able to explain it accurately, clearly, logically, understandably to someone who disagrees and does not understand. In Proverbs, chapter 26, verse 5, it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. It's important for us to be able to to demonstrate people's inconsistencies. It's important to show people that what they say and what they're teaching doesn't really conform to the scriptures. While they may think they're right, it's not actually what the Bible tells us. And so we need to be able to demonstrate this is actually what the Bible says. Third, we are to put up with other people's nonsense. Put up with other people's nonsense. Uh, the ESV translates this, verse 24, patiently enduring evil. Patiently enduring evil is actually one word in the original. And the, the most uh, like an English word that there is for this one word is actually the word tolerant. But tolerance in our society has taken on such a negative connotation. But the idea here is don't get caught up in other people's bad behavior. Don't respond to people the way they are responding to you. Don't lose your temper. Don't go tit for tat. If they are disrespectful, don't stoop to their level. Proverbs 26, 24, maybe... Many of you know that these two proverbs almost sound antithetical to each other. The first says, "Answer not answer a fool in his folly lest he become wise in his own conceit." The second verse says, "Answer not a fool in his folly, lest you be like him that 's what this this phrase is, is saying don 't become foolish in the way that you respond don 't become ungodly in the way that you respond." Don't become worldly in the way that you respond. Don't respond in kind to the way in which you are being addressed. But maintain your godliness. Fourth, humbly confront those who are opposing the truth. Notice verse 25. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. Gentleness, meekness, humility... It's the antithesis of pride and arrogance. We are not to be sending God's word in such a way that we are trying to gain advantage or prove a point. We are not trying to demonstrate superiority. We're not trying to show ourselves more knowledgeable than someone else. We are not trying to embarrass or shame people. But rather in humility, and in meekness, and in gentleness, we really want people to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's not that we're trying to win an argument. It's not trying to prove that the eagles are better than the pirates. The the scriptures are of so much greater importance. It's not about us and our understanding. It's about what the Word of God actually says and to realize that to depart from the Word of God is always spiritually harmful. So there's a genuine concern for that person who's teaching error and concern for those that are being instructed in that error. So in meekness and humility, we want them to change. Part of that meekness and humility stems from a remembrance of where we were, of things we used to think, things that we used to believe, and remember God's grace in dealing with us. So humility. Fifthly, rely upon God to work in a person rather than, than our debating skills. A person is not going to be won over by our intellect or persuasion. Notice verse 25. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. Now these words, God may perhaps grant them repentance. God may perhaps grant them repentance. God has to work in the life of an individual if they're gonna to come to a, a saving knowledge of the truth. If they're really going to grasp the truthfulness of God's word, God has to open their eyes. God has to give them understanding. Uh, will Rogers said, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. We can't debate people into the truth. we may intellectually argue them into a corner, but we can't get them to exercise faith and trust and belief. There's no argument that can do that. There is no proof that it can accomplish that end. And so we don't rely on our forcefulness or our debating skills, but we are relying on the Spirit of God To work in a person's life. It is only by the Spirit of God that a person is going to accept the truth. Notice verse 25. That God may grant them repentance, then this, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Repentance will result in coming to accept the truth. It is only after accepting the truth of God's word that a person changes. Verse 26, and they may come to their senses. They may come to their senses. It's a play on words. Okay? Uh, their eyes are no longer blind, that sense of seeing. Their ears are no longer deaf, that sense of hearing. Their emotions are no longer corrupt, that sense of understanding. They no longer are past feeling. They are no longer under the control of the evil one. Notice verse 26, and escape the snare of the devil. They are no longer falling into Satan's trap. Satan's trap. Satan often Uses the Word of God to ensnare people. Satan often uses the Word of God to bring people actually into bondage. There are many cults (laughs) that spend a lot of time in the Word of God, but they falsely interpret it, they understand it incorrectly. And it leads to their, their harm. And it ultimately will lead to their, their judgment, their, their damnation. Remember that when Jesus was in the wilderness, the evil one even quoted scripture to Jesus. Of casting himself down, in these, quoting from the Psalms. If the evil one uses scripture, how ensnaring can that be? And even ensnaring to us, if we get into this combative mindset, then Satan wins out in our handling inappropriately the word of God. For what we say may be true, but the way that we say it is so opposed to what the Word of God tells us how to conduct ourselves. It isn't just a matter of speaking the truth, it's speaking the truth truthfully. It is not only bringing our mental capacities into agreement with the Word of God, but also yielding our wills, our emotions, our desires, to the way in which God's word tells us to conduct ourselves. So handling the word of God accurately is truthfully, sincerely, in accordance with what the word of God says, not only about its content, but also our conduct. It takes spiritual wisdom and maturity to rightly handle the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a work, worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So rightly handling it is teaching it accurately and teaching it in accordance with those five things that we saw is how we are to respond to people positive to, positively. The Bible was never intended to be used as a club to hit people over the head with. Nor is the Bible to be used to show our knowledge and expertise. The scripture has not been given to us so that we can impress other people with what we know. The scripture has been given to us so that we can be helpful in bringing people unto the truth of the understanding of the word of God. The Bible warns in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 about an elder. It says this, He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. There's a temptation that comes with immaturity. And that temptation is pride. And for a young person who gives themselves to the study of the word of God, it's so easy for that young person to become proud. It's so easy for that young person to look at others and disdain them for their lack of knowledge, for their ignorance, or for their opposition to the truth. And it's pretty easy to begin to puff out the chest and to see themselves in a class that's different from other people. And it's easy to get into that debating, quarreling Spirit. Be careful. Be careful. So it says, don't put an elder in that office. Don't bring someone in a situation where they're preaching and teaching the Word of God before they're spiritually mature. Intellectually, they may know what the Word of God says. But they're not ready yet to handle the opposition. They're not yet ready to handle the ignorance. They're not yet ready to handle those that aren't in agreement with the truth, those that stand up and oppose. They really don't know how to conduct themselves. And we are to prepare ourselves spiritually so that we not only know the truth but we conduct ourselves in a spiritual manner in sharing the truth. Where we're generally concerned about the spiritual well-being of the individual. And not trying to prove people right or wrong. Not making judgments of who's in the kingdom and who's out of the kingdom. But simply trying to avoid those things that are foolish and undermine and hurt and in the spirit of compassion and grace and humility simply speak forth the truth. Allowing God to bring a person to faith knowing that it's impossible for us to do it. So be gentle, be meek. Remember how God was long patient with you. Remember how you and I used to believe some pretty strange stuff and uh, God taught us from his word and brought us into a greater understanding of truth. So we've come full circle in the text. The Lord knows those that are his, we don't. Those that claim to believe in Christ should depart from false teaching and the corruption that that accompanies it. For we have seen the light. Our senses have changed. We are not bound by the evil one and no longer are doing his will. Instead, we present ourselves wanting to be used of God In a way that brings honor to him and to ourselves. In the way in which we handle the word of God. Accurately. And spiritually. Depending upon God for his spirit to work and move. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray that you would help us. Uh, First, Lord, help us to know your word. Help us to give ourselves to the word Help us to want to be that workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Lord, may we take the time and the energy that is necessary to understand your word. May we diligently work at it. May we do so not to gain the praise of people, but your praise. We might hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, knowing that ultimately we stand before you. I charge you, therefore, before Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom preach the word lord it is to you that we are accountable so may we be careful that what we say the word of god says may the word of god really say it may we not so, uh, may we not substitute our words for your words lord help us to be diligent in knowing the truth and then lord in sharing that truth May we not be like the world around us. But Lord, may we demonstrate the Spirit of God at work in our lives. Oh, I'm so reminded of the Apostle Paul. What a change in behavior from a man who persecuted and jailed people that he disagreed with to a person now that he's willing to go to prison for and that he's willing to suffer for in order that they might come to a a knowledge of the truth. Oh Lord, give us a spirit of meekness as we present your word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.